0: 15 million workers in the U.S. shared that they are lonely 82% of the time. That's our topic today. We're talking about loneliness and we're talking about connecting. Our guest speaker is an internationally recognized keynote speaker. He's a best-selling author. His name is Ryan Jenkins. And he talks about loneliness as an overlooked threat to business and is, is causing immense damage to workers' well-being and performance. So it's causing turnover. It's causing lack of productivity, and it's hurting the individuals. He reminds us that loneliness is not the absence of having people around us, but it's the absence of connection. And his book is called Connectable. And that the remedy to all of this loneliness is to see and hear others, not just exchange information. And sometimes when we're exchanging information, we are not getting or creating genuine Connection. He shares a memorable phrase that I want you to remember right now and remember again when you hear it. But communication is dealt. So it's something I hand out, like a deck of cards, but connection is felt. And he has a lot of credible research and practical actions to make this connection, which can make a big difference in productivity, in retention, in the well-being of your team, but we've got to intentionally find points for connection. Connection is what our souls want and it's what our bodies are craving. You're going to be inspired by this. You're going to have actions that you can take after this and I'm excited to share it with you. I am Susie Price, and you're listening to and maybe watching because we're doing some video now on YouTube. The Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in build a high commitment, low drama, Wake Up Eager workforce. In this podcast and in the work we do every day, we provide tools and tips and expert interviews about the employee life cycle everything from hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. We also train and certify others to become experts in our signature six-week certification programs. You can find out more about the certification programs at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash certification. This is episode 84 of the Wake Up Be your Workforce podcast. and so The title of today's episode, you guessed it, from our opening, Connectable, Grow Your Social Fitness. It's with Ryan Jenkins. He's a CSP, which means he's done a lot of speaking around the country and around the world. He's talked about generations, which is how I met him. I met him at a conference we were both presenting. Uh, He he talks about, it was at that conference talking about the different generations, millennial, Gen Z. He's an author and teen connection expert. The show notes for today can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash loneliness. He is internationally recognized. He shared with me that he had uh, spoke last year at 73 different organizations all over the country, and I think all over the world. His book is a best-selling book. Connectable is the name of the book. You'll see we'll talk about it, and there'll be a link to it in the show notes. And for a decade, he's inspired and equipped audiences with insights and tools and to bring us into this new era of work. He's right on top of it with this topic. He's an active columnist for Inc. Magazine, Psychology Today, and Entrepreneur Magazine. So what we're going to cover today, we're going to talk about the cause and effect of loneliness in the workplace, the impact of loneliness on team performance, and actions we can take to help organizations create healthier, more productive teams. You're going to enjoy it. Check it out. Show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash loneliness. Let's go to our discussion now. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad to have you.
1: Thanks, Susie. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this combo.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I enjoyed your book, Connectable. Awesome. Awesome. And I liked some of the phrases. One simple term you use is life and work is better when you're connected. Such a simple thing, but it's so true. And then I liked the phrase, I like to work out a lot. So I love when you said social fitness, building your social fitness. I mean, there's so many phrases in there and ways that you say things that are important. But I was curious as I was looking at it, because I know you slightly, I've only, I met you one other time at an event and we know some of the same people, but I was curious about, okay, how did he land on this topic? How did he land on loneliness and connecting and belonging? You know, did something in particular happen? I know you've done a lot of generational work, so I'm thinking you unearthed some things in your research, but just talk about how you landed on this topic and why now, and then uh, what's the reception been?
1: Yeah. Thanks again for, for having me. And and yeah, for about uh, 12 years now, I've been super interested in the future of work and typically how I would access that for my clients and my audiences would be through understanding the evolving differences across generations. Because if we understand those evolving differences, we understand kind of what to expect in the future of work And and specifically studying the emerging generations give us data points into what to expect in the future. So I was fascinated with generational differences, and I was writing a book about Gen Z, which is the youngest generation that's now in the workforce and will be the fastest growing over the next decade, and I stumbled across a data point highlighting just how disconnected and isolated and lonely Gen Z is. 79% of Gen Z reports sometimes are always feeling lonely. And it's the first time, Susie, that we've had an emerging generation experiencing more disconnection and isolation than our elderly population. So alarm bells went off and I thought, gosh, this is this is really alarming. How, how can I help this generation? And this was all pre-pandemic. So I began studying loneliness and connection in an effort to help Gen Z as, again, they become the fastest growing generation in the workforce. And then the pandemic happened and I had all this connection and loneliness Uh, research. And I brought it to a lot of my clients. And of course, everyone wanted to dig in and really unpack this and talk about it. And then that eventually led us writing the book. And we did some original research of 2000 global workers around the world. And so, yeah. And then the book, you asked about the reception. It's been great. It hit number seven on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And then just a month ago, it was voted the number three top leadership book of all of 2022 So by thousands of readers. And so, Folks are loving it. We're, we're loving to spread this message. And we're not done yet. We're still pushing the, this conversation. The U.S. Surgeon General just announced last week that uh, a big initiative for our entire country is trying to figure out how can we become more connected and reduce loneliness. So we feel more compelled now more than ever to really step up and have continue to have this conversation.
0: My guess is that it would have always been of interest, but I wonder if COVID just broke down any walls where people say, well, we can't talk about that. I mean, have you found that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Loneliness is, you know, it's it's been increasing for a long time and the pandemic, you're right, put a big spotlight on it and accelerated it. So it's continued to rise and, but there's a little bit of good news in that and that whatever increases can also decrease. So it's malleable. So if we begin to understand it and then we arm ourselves with some simple strategies, we can turn a corner here and create healthier individuals, healthier organizations, healthier communities. So it just takes some awareness. And we highlighted in the book that just seven years ago is when some neuroscientists actually discovered where loneliness shows up in our brain. So it's a very new emotion that we, it's been shrouded in shame for a long, long time. It's starting to, to, to erode a little bit and people are ready to start talking about it. And it's unfortunate because it's a universal human condition. We all experience it and it's, you know, we attribute it to realign it or, or, or draw the parallels to the sensation of hunger, right? It's It's literally our biological cue to go, Find something to nourish yourself with. So same thing with loneliness, right? It's this biological cue that, hey, we were wired for connection. And that's my biological cue that I need to go forge a connection and be in community with teammates, family members, et cetera.
0: That's awesome. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's awareness. Uh, I think that is so great. And then understanding that you can open the conversation around it. I think, I don't know if you said it, or it's something we have said in the past about awareness is curative. It's just, you know, once you are aware of it, that's like sometimes 80% of the, of the challenge. Like, Oh, I wasn't even aware that I was actually feeling this, but I really am, you know, and that it's a real thing. It's a
1: real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think we wildly underestimate how much we need it. And we're also misconstruing connection with communication. So I'll, I'll go down that rabbit hole just, just briefly. But yeah,
0: I like that. Know. I saw that. Don't miss, don't mistake. That was one of the things I took your TCA, to, uh what's it called? The team connection, connection assessment. assessment. And mm-hmm. just to see what it was. And one of the recommendations when they talk about one of the areas was don't mistake. And I highlighted it. It's like, oh, that's a really good statement. I see, you got so many good statements. <laughs> don't mistake uh communication for connection. Say more, go jump in there. I love yeah,
1: that. absolutely. So communication is the exchanging of information and, and we process that in the front part of our brain, but connection is the ease of communication and, and this idea of being seen and heard in a conversation. And that's actually processed in the back part of our brain. So listeners can relate, You know, they've probably texted, I love you to a significant other. Well, you can text them that all day. That's just communication. It doesn't become connection until they hear the sentiment or the tone in your voice, or they feel the your embrace if you're in person. So that's the big difference and how I like to communicate it. Where it makes it memorable is communication is dealt, but connection is felt. And so all these wonderful tools that you and I are using today, which we should still continue to use, a lot of it's facilitating communication, but not connection. So you know, we might be talking with all kinds of different people on a daily basis, thinking, gosh, I'm more connected than ever before. But in reality, no, you're just communicating. And so oftentimes we need to take it a step further. We need to be more intentional about finding those points for connection, because that's truly what your soul is craving and what your body needs is that connection with with others. And I think that's A big conversation that a lot of folks are missing as it relates to remote and hybrid work, right? As we feel connected to our colleagues and and our organizations, but at the end of the day, no, we're just in this ring of communication. So that's a really important distinction to make. And and I think that that's usually an aha awareness point back to your point around awareness, right? We need that awareness to say, gosh, these are two different things. And if I really want to make sure I'm nourishing my soul and getting some good connection, then we need to to take it a step further.
0: Interesting. I was in, an advanced axiology, which is the science that I do program. So there's just a small group, 24 people getting master certified in Scottsdale. Great group. We all kind of know each other. We were getting dealt a lot of communication and it was good because we all were there. We love to learn and we're all want to be masters, you know, so that was wonderful. And so, but I was feeling myself kind of weary, you know, like day two, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got five days of this. And then there was an option to do an icebreaker. And I said, oh, icebreaker, let's do it. I need some connection, you know, not even knowing, you know, what you just said. And it was because I needed the felt. And then we did this exercise where everybody got up and shared it. It took quite a bit of time, but the the group was totally different after that because we all felt each other. So that's just such a good example. And we're still connected now. Like it's a whole new dynamic happened in the room of 24 people because of the sharing and the feltness of the things that we do. We all shared things from you know it was an exercise, but it was really powerful. So that is that just came to mind as you were saying that. Yes,
1: yeah, I'll give a good example, too. And I think you know what we're talking about here, it's often sometimes it's hard for us as humans to distinguish, you know what do we want versus what we need. Well, we want autonomy. We want to work remotely, but what we need is is connection. And certainly connection can still occur in the in a virtual environment, but you've got to be even more intentional about it. And to your point, if it's a larger group, that connection really isn't going to happen virtually. So, you know, prioritizing in-person events for different, you know, whether it be onboarding or training, brainstorming, you know, it's really helpful thinking about the difference between communication and connection, but I'll give you one example of one of the, a leader recently that shared with me, she, she had uh, become the, the CEO of this company right during the middle of the pandemic anxiety was high and she was conducting the first all hands meeting as the new CEO. And just as she was about to turn over the meeting to her leadership team and everyone was on Zoom, you know, thousands of people are on Zoom and she it just dawned on her, she thought, gosh, I've been communicating with this group, but I haven't actually connected with them. And she did something brilliant in the moment. So she verbally handed it off to the, the leadership team and then she continued to share her screen and she bounced over to Google and, and you know, imagine all the employees are at the edge of their seat thinking, oh no, this new CEO, she's... She's she's forgot to stop sharing. What's going to happen? You know, everyone's it's like a seeing a car wreck. You can't look away, right? Yeah, it's oh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so she was brilliant. She went to Google and she she went to the search bar and she searched how to CEO good. And it was just this subtle little funny thing that she did. And she said she got flooded with emails following the the meeting, saying thank you for being relatable and thank you for being vulnerable. And they said they'd never seen so many smiles on the Zoom call before. And so again, it's a really good distinction of she was communicating, which is still important. We need to be good communicators, yes. but we also can't miss that that opportunity to connect too, because that's what builds strong, resilient teams.
0: Yes, yes, and it's this—it's relationships, you know. So if we if we think about people before tasks, before systems, you know, it just and, and the people part is so infinite. I, I mean, when I think about that group that I was with, I mean that that feeling place from that afternoon you know, the felt place because we were sharing there was five things we shared and a lot of it had to do with our past and future was very, and people got emotional. I mean, the bond, I look at every person differently now. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been four months, five months since we did that and we're still meeting in our mastermind. And, you know, so yeah, it's like, it has a lot of strength, but we all, we mistake it sometimes for a waste of time. I know that the, that part of the group was thinking, well, we have work to do. We've got to be masters. We've got to, we got to do all the dealt stuff. Yeah. So it's just infinite. It's, it's intangible and magical.
1: Yeah. the, The word that stood out to me in your response there was, was strength. And, and, you know, I like to relate this conversation to the metaphor of a brick wall. And if you had all of these bricks stacked on top of each other and yeah, they might all fit neatly. And it looks like the, the wall is, is, is standing, but without any mortar right? That brick wall can be easily pushed over, right? The slight breeze can can topple that whole wall. So it's the mortar that makes teams strong, right? It's, it's, it's what's between those bricks. It's what's between the team members that solidifies, that makes it stronger and more formidable. So I think that's a good metaphor to be thinking about is, is, is your point. I mean, it's hard to, we get so caught up, but the biggest obstacle all of us face when it comes to connection is busyness, time constraints severely limit our willingness to connect with others. And so we forget about the mortar because it's, you know, you often think about how tall is the wall and how many bricks do we need? But you forget about the really important ingredient of what's connecting each other. Cause again, that's what makes us resilient and strong.
0: Teaching all this, how has it changed you or has it?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, you know, Have
0: you always uh, been connecting oriented, felt oriented instead of dealt oriented?
1: You could probably relate to this statement that, uh, authors write the books that they themselves need to read.
0: <laughs> I teach um, the things I want to learn too. Yeah, yes. there you go.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, and so I'm actually an introvert. And so I wrote a book about connection. So go figure. But my co-author is actually an extrovert. So we've got kind of good dynamics going back and forth on kind of each perspective. But, you know, and I'm sure the fellow introverts out there that are listening can relate that that my thought with my close knit of uh, relationships i always wanted to i wasn't interested in expanding those that network i was interested in going deep and that was a, a way of my brain misleading me my brain of protecting me and it was i wasn't i was missing out there was so much well-being boosted well-being for myself and others that was being left on the table because any little any little opportunity to connect with someone i dismissed so if i was sharing an elevator with somebody And we just had those 30 seconds where we could share a genuine connection. I thought, I'm never going to see this person again. I'm not going to take the time to invest in this connection. And I would dismiss it. And that again, that was a subtle way of my brain misleading me. And so I have rewired that. that. And my new mantra now is connections don't have to be continual to be beneficial. Connections don't have to be continual to be beneficial. And so anytime I share that elevator with someone now, my go-to question is, how's your day going? It's just a, it's a subtle shift, right? It's not too intrusive. But you know, typically here in the US, we would typically say, How you doing? That's kind of our version of, you know, hi. <laughs> we're not yeah. actually interested yeah. in knowing how the other person yes, is doing. Yeah. yeah. So we got to find ways to break these social scripts if we're going to connect. And research shows that it takes as little as 40 seconds to actually have uh where two individuals can feel seen and heard in a conversation and, and they can feel a sense of connection. And so I'd say nine times out of 10, when I ask that question, they pull themselves out of the phone or they drop their shoulders and they're thinking, they're looking at me and they see me actually present in that moment waiting for their response. And then we exchange a little bit uh, of some, some words. And I leave that conversation with a boosted well-being and that person does too. So that's how I've changed my thinking as it relates to connections is they don't have to be continual to be beneficial.
0: Uh, I love that. Not letting, not discounting those things, you know, that those have value too. So let's go right to that about the loneliness, because what you're, that's one antidote right there to loneliness is not discounting those conversations. Some of your research says 15 million U.S. employees say that they are lonely 82% of the time. Have I got that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 15 million are lonely 82% of the time. That's astounding. And that's in the U.S. And then you talked about CEOs admit that they feel lonely, which I can see that and have have experienced that in just being a consultant. Um, But so talk a little bit more about loneliness, its impact on us, more statistics, more info, more insight, whatever you'd like to share.
1: Yeah. The other kind of what makes this conversation really challenging is 90% of employees say that if they are experiencing isolation or loneliness, they won't Tell their supervisor. So a lot of folks that might be listening yeah. to this thinking, I haven't, you know, no one's told me that they're experiencing isolation or disconnection. That's because they won't. Yeah, <laughs> um, they're not going to so tell
0: you. Yeah, well, it's vulnerable it, to say that. How would you say right.
1: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's vulnerable. You know, we unpack some research in the book where folks are actually more. They would rather have a conversation around rent- mental health with a chatbot or artificial intelligence versus an actual human in, in their manager. And so I think there's a whole nother conversation around psychological safety and how we need to start equipping leaders with some of this EQ around how to address some of these things. Cause if we think that this is, you know, this is supposed to be a conversation outside of work, you're you're severely uh wrong there. Because here I'll unpack a little bit of research that kind of helps us get there. So they they did a recent study where they they were trying to figure out how does exclusion impact the human brain. And so they put people through an experience of exclusion. They monitored the brain, the brain lit up and it lit up in the same spot where we, where we register physical pain. Mm -hmm. So the same spot where we register exclusion, we also register physical pain. So when we feel disconnected from a group, if we don't feel like we're being seen and heard and we're actively contributing in a team or a tribe. We feel disconnected. we It's as if we have a bleeding appendage, right? And so we can't fully engage and deliver for customers and clients or for our colleagues because we've got this invisible ailment. And we've got to address that first because it's the same thing if you were to show up to work and you had that bleeding appendage, you wouldn't want a manager or anyone else to say, hey, don't worry about that. Just get to work. <laughs> you're, you're not getting any work done, right? It's so the same thing here. Yeah, you got to you got to address that ailment before you can show show up fully, and so this is why we have to be having this conversation. We've got to be able to identify it in ourselves and others, so that we can proactively keep folks engaged, so that we can deliver on the exceptional work that our clients and customers deserve.
0: Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it was in the team team connections assessment, but somewhere I read uh, that um, if if a leader sees somebody who's doing slop, what was it, sloppy work? Uh, maybe showing some apathy, uh, stops offering input. So they're, they're explain, uh, now in this context, you can see it. Oh, those are signs of being disconnected. Um, so most of the time leaders would say, okay, I need to write them up or I need to, you know, what's wrong with them or just, you know, be annoyed or ignore it. But what you're saying is, no, that's like they're in physical pain, but it's really a feeling they need to be, they need some connection. So try connecting with them.
1: Yeah, it's really important because what happens when when we experience loneliness or isolation is we turn inward and we begin distrusting more and more of the people around us. So it's a very quick downward spiral. So we can't just expect folks to pull themselves back into into the tribe or the team. We have to be proactive as a group to pull those folks that are detaching. So you're only as connected as a team, as your most disconnected team member. And so we've got to be aware of some of these these signs that we can proactively keep pulling folks in. And so it's just really important. But at the end of the day, if you you really kind of understand the science of it, um, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because we've always known this, that there's always been strength in numbers. And our ancestors who roamed the plains, we were able to pull each other's resources and watch each other's backs and leverage each other's strength. So there's always strength in numbers. When you got Uh, disconnected from that group, your survival rate plummeted. And so your body went into a very fight or flight state and you actually went into a hyper vigilant surveillance mode is what your brain would go into. So, which makes a lot of sense because you're trying to protect yourself. So if you're alone in the woods and you hear a twig snap in the distance, you're ready to go. You're ready to flee from that situation or fight for your survival. Same thing happens to our bodies today. If we feel disconnected from the team, we're in the Fight or flight states. So no wonder we're at risk for quitting or uh, resigning from the organization, or you know only putting in you know half the work we need to, It's because we feel disconnected and we're, we're trying to protect ourselves, keeps our options open. And then again, our brain goes into that hyper uh, surveillance mode to where we're. We're reading in between the lines of our boss's email, or we're, we're twisting the conversation of our colleagues. We become very, they were overanalyzing and it's just very detrimental. So again, it's holding us back. If we're not feeling completely engaged with the team. And then the, the last research I'll share, you can tell I wrote a book because I have all this research that I think it's is great. So interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you, you, well, it's good to have research on a softer topic for mm. people to let their guard down to sometimes instinctually, we can know a lot of things, but sometimes we want to say, well, that's just a little too soft, you know, but then if you've got yeah. all the research, people can go, Oh, okay. 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 There's a real reason for this. And kind of put down their guard. You yes. know, I think so I love it. I love all well it. Well said,
1: well said. No, I like that. Yeah. So the last research I'll share is, and I'll, I'll have the listeners kind of put them, themselves in the shoes. I think that'll be more interesting. So let's say you were looking at a hill that was about a hundred yards away from you, researchers were asking you to assess the steepness of that hill. And so you would do what you could to assess the steepness. And then they reran the experiment and they actually placed someone with you. So there was two people now assessing the same hill from the same distance. And what they found was, is when you got placed with just one other person, who you were under the impression was going to eventually climb that hill and that obstacle with you, you assessed the steepness of a hill with a 30% reduction in steepness. So what that means is just by having someone alongside you, we're more resilient, right? There's things feel less daunting when we Mm -hmm. feel like we're apart or we're with someone else that we can tackle things together. Things get really hairy and daunting when we're left to our own devices
0: interesting. And so how would you that's great because of the confidence, you know, I've got a teammate. And I like the statement that you said we're only as connected as our most disconnected team member. So if you have anybody who's disconnected, it's going to be hard for the team to really be the best it can be.
1: Yeah, absolutely because yeah, we're we're, you know, we're not fully invested and so research shows that we're seven times more likely to be disengaged if we're experiencing isolation. And disconnection at work. We're five times more likely to miss work. And we're three times more likely to underperform and three times more likely to actually quit. So all these things make sense. And again, coming back to the science, it makes sense. Our most significant need as humans, our most significant need is connection. It's belonging. It's not our most urgent need, right? We address all the most urgent needs urgently throughout our day but our most significant need, and this is according to the longest study of adult development that's still going on today. It's over 80 years and Harvard university has studied over 2000 people and they're, they're, they tried to figure out what's the most, what's the definitive answer to a long and healthy life. It wasn't diet or wealth or economic status or DNA. It was quality connections with others. So belonging and connection is our most significant need. So if we can create environments where people feel that connection and feel that sense of belonging at the place where they spend most of their waking hours, which is at work, then why are they going anywhere else? Why would they want to be anywhere, but feeling engaged and contributing towards that tribe? Cause it's fulfilling their most significant needs. So I'm convinced Susie, and I'm hoping I'm doing an okay job convincing your audience here that connection is the key. If we want to create better Healthier organizations, more productive teams, more resilient, uh, higher retention, connection, connection, connection is the key.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I love the word connection and it's attention too. It's amazing how, you know, there's been those studies from way back when they give kids or even people at work attention how just attention, they didn't call it connection at the time, how attention, attention changed the dynamic, you know, and it, it makes me think of Gallup organization, what they've been around for how long, 2000 or more doing those meta-analysis studies. And in them were, you know, my boss, someone at work cares about me. I have a best friend at work. What was the other one? In the last seven days, someone has uh, told me I've done a good job or appreciated what I do. Someone looks out for my development, I already said that one. My manager cares about me, all of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, so we jump to these other theories. And to me, I've always hung on to that research, you know, and and share it and just kind of like, OK, that was a long time ago. They're still putting things out. But when it first came out, it was big, you know, and now you're the next next uh, <laughs> leader in this. So in making this topic, because it's it seems almost it's not simple, but it seems like, oh, you know, you mean a lot of the problems that we have on our team would change if I if I made sure that we were connected and everybody had a sense of belonging. Is there a difference between belonging and loneliness? I mean, in regard to what you would talk about or any additional research related to a sense of belonging, do you always have a lack of sense of belonging when you have loneliness? Talk a little bit about belonging and how that's different or the same.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I probably should have started with this definition, but I'll take a step back. And I think it's important to note that loneliness is not the absence of people. It's the absence of connection. So that's really important distinction. So you, you know, and listeners can probably relate. You've probably been in a crowded room before surrounded by people, but if you don't have connections with those individuals, you can feel alone. You can feel disconnected. You can feel isolated. And conversely, if you're working remotely, but you have a really strong connection with your leader and your team members or your clients, you know, you might not feel that same sense of isolation as that person that's surrounded in a room with other people. And a lot of companies that we're working with right now are having a real hard time because they're, they want to bring people back in the office, but they know if they do, they're going to lose a bu- bunch of people and they're kind of caught in between here. And it's, it's tricky. And I think what's, Combating here is that the researchers tell us that we have three psychological nutrients. So one is autonomy, two is competence, and three is connection. And two of those strings are competing right now. So us as individuals, right, we want the autonomy. So yes, we want to be able to have flexibility to, to work when we want and where we want. But also, we're forgetting that connection piece. That is also pivotal to our our health and well being and the performance of our organization, as we've talked throughout this whole conversation. And so those two things are are at odds. I think I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. I'll bring it back. So again, loneliness is not the absence of people; it's the absence of connection. And so, I think the sense of belonging is that idea of "I belong here." I'm, I'm I feel seen and heard, and 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 I'm able to voice uh, ideas or opinions or concerns, and those are are received by the organization. And I'll, I'll share a story that I think does a really good job of kind of underpinning why belonging is so important. It's the story is of Joseph Strauss, who built the, well he, well, he was the chief engineer of the Golden Gate Bridge. And when he was building that back in the 1930s, building bridges back then was really, really, really deadly. And it was really hard, as you can imagine. And for every $1 million that was spent building a bridge, it typically equated into one death. And the Golden Gate Bridge at the time was going to be going to cost about $30 million. And so it was going to, they were anticipating 30 deaths of folks that were working on the bridge. So they decided, Hey, uh, well, Joseph Strauss was like, "Not on my watch. I don't want any deaths. We're going to try to do what we can to to, to create a great, you know, sense of an, a great safe environment for our team members." And he actually uh, built a safety net underneath the bridge, and it was the first of its kind. People thought he was nuts. They thought it's going to be, you're going to come way in over budget. It's going to take forever. No one's done this. He did it anyway and they actually completed the bridge faster than expected under budget. And they actually constructed the cables four times faster than it was ever even conceived possible. And oh, by the way, 19 people fell off the bridge, landed in the safety net and oh. gathered themselves and went right back to work. And so what happened was, is that no longer were they focused on their safety, but they were focused on the success of the project. And so I think that really underpins this idea of creating psychological safe environments where folks feel like they're seen and heard. They have this strong sense of belonging to where they can bring their full selves to work. And they can start to quiet the voice in their head because our brain is asking five times per second, are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe? Mm -hmm. So if we can turn that down and focus it, that energy on something else that's conducive for the team or organization, some big things can happen. So I think that then, uh psychological safety, of course, is getting lots of great airtime these days. And it's certainly a bedrock when it comes to this conversation around belonging and connection.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Five, five times a second. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, the brain's asking. Yeah, five times a second. And it's all unconscious, right? But you're it's yeah, constantly yeah. surveying the people around you and the building and we're just constantly assessing and your brain's always looking out for number one. <laughs>
0: Like, yeah. You know. Interesting. So that's a good, you know, as a leader of a team, you know, that's really important. So what advice are you giving organizations who are struggling with this? How do we bring people back and, you know, the the tug push and pull between autonomy and connection? Uh, what are some of the companies doing? Cause I know some companies that are struggling with that now. What are you advising? Yeah.
1: yeah. I've been trying to figure out if we could come up with a silver bolt that would work for everybody. And it's just not there because it depends on the industry and the type of work and the, existing culture. But what I think leaders in most organizations need to hear is that you got to commit to connection and you have to have a connection plan. You've got to come up with some type of connection plan because again, connection can occur in a digital environment. It takes more effort, but making sure that that becomes a priority and you're figuring out ways to weave that in. And so, you know, a subtle way to think about that is is how do you trade uh, convenience for connection? Because so often as humans, we gravitate towards things that are convenient. And I think that's what's ha- happening right now, right? Remote work is convenience. We're gravitating towards that. But what's left on the, there's a social cost associated with that. And we have to be aware of that. So I think I think organizations need to be modeling what it looks like to connect. They need to be encouraging and uh, making their teams aware of the power and the science of connection because we're seeing way too more many organizations that are just mandating it. And of course, they're getting tons of blowback. And instead, it needs to be, hey, this is why it's so important that we get together and then creating those environments in which the, that connection can occur. One of the organizations we highlighted in the book is Atomic. They've they're the company behind WordPress, and they have a thousand person plus company, and they've been fully dispersed for since inception. For they've always worked remotely, and they make their part of their connection plan is once a year. They have a one week all hands on uh, or all you know company wide conference where everyone comes together and they create those connections and they solidify their culture. And so that works for them where they do a big time blowout conference where everyone comes together. And then after that, they go across the world and they have similar reactions to what you were describing at the top of our t- conversation where it was like, hey, I was in person. And then all of a sudden we did this icebreaker and then there was connection and that fueled the working after that, there's just a different type of, of uh, totally magic. Yeah. yeah. And so that works for one company. So you know, don't underestimate it. Have a connection plan and try to check yourself and those around you. Are we choosing convenience or are we? where can we trade convenience for connection?
0: So a leader that's listening right now and is thinking about, can say, what are some connecting things we can do? Now, you do have that cool assessment, which will give them tips so they can actually assess their team have their team take it and then the leader takes it and then it gives you recommendations based on and I like how you did the scoring. I thought that was very clever. You 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 say, uh, uh think of your team, team and your own well-being like a depleting battery of your phone. Um, you always have to keep recharging it. So you've got so many clever things in here. And then you talk the assessment, actually, because I took it, measures full strength, stable connection, weak connection, and disconnected when it looks like a you're Strength of your phone, which is really great. So, if a leader wanted to assess their team, they could do that. That could be part of the connection plan where they're connecting and you can see how people feel. And then there's exercises in there and there's exercises in the book. Uh, What are some of the favorite connection plan exercises that a leader can do? You know, so you've got the company doing a conference once a year, but then the leader needs to be doing things on a regular basis. And maybe think of your uh, most introverted because you'll relate to this leader and say, what would they, could they do? Somebody who doesn't automatically pick up the phone and just chit chat with people. What could they do to make a difference? The biggest difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for giving a shout out to the assessment. Cause yeah, we, we, we didn't want to just write and talk about this. We wanted to give tools to our clients and audiences and organizations around the world to, to quantify this. And so we wrote the book as kind of phase one to give awareness around the problem and some we provide some solutions and some ideas on what you can do. Phase two was how do can you measure it? So that's where the team connection assessment came in, and we worked with uh, researchers out of Harvard and the University of Canterbury. So it's empirically validated to actually measure how strongly connected your team are is and identify some areas where there might be some weaknesses. And then I'm going to third- jump in before
0: you go off of the sure. assessment quick and just say I took it this morning because I wanted to experience it. One, it's, uh, the interface is real clean. The questions make sense. It's very practical. And the result, I mean, of course, I was just doing it, you know, me as though I was a teammate to see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the suggestions. There's tons of suggestions in there. And it gave you a rating, you know, a green light if you had it a- full strength and yellow if, you know, so anyway, it was just easy to read. And it had a lot of good verbiage in there too, to remind you like a good summary from the book. I mean, it was very reasonably priced. So just usually try to plug things, but when something's good and it'll help people make more connections and it's an easy way, people are busy and they need kind of an easy way to connect. And I also saw, and this is probably where you're going on the third thing was a A a deck of cards that an individual could do, an introvert could use to remind themselves to try to connect. Okay, so you take it away. I didn't mean to interrupt, (laughs) and I wanted to not mention uh, how good that tool looked to me.
1: Susie, I'm going to take you on all my client calls moving forward. (laughs) I'm
0: a big assessment nut because I just believe we need a tool sometimes to order our thinking and to see how we're thinking and how we're feeling you know they're not the be all end all. It's what you do with it, but you need to have a good tool to start and gather insight. Mm-hmm. And we talk about if awareness is you know big percentage of cu- the cure, assessment's a way good way to do it.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well, I'm so glad to, to hear that and thank you. Yeah, the, the third phase and you're right. We we created a connect deck that has 30 simple uh, steps you can do as an individual, and the idea is you you pull one card a month and you just do the two to five minute activity that's on that card and. Sometimes cultivating connection doesn't have to involve other people. So I know those introverts out there can rejoice. So, you know, (laughs) again, loneliness isn't the absence of people. It's the absence of connection. One of the core connections we have to uh, measure as humans is that connection with oneself and so you can do that through meditation or prayer, or you can do that through a, a gratitude journal. Gratitude's one of the one of the big things to actually move loneliness in the in the opposite direction because you're again, you're thinking about someone else. So you're getting out of yourself. So there's a lot of simple things we can do on our own, you know, taking four deep breaths, all kinds of different things that we can send ourselves, create a better connection with oneself, which positions us then to then. Connect uh, more easily or effectively with others around us. So I think that's important to note. But the last thing I'll, I'll, the phase three is kind of our last phase in this. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about this other uh, project we've worked on. And then I'll give you an example of what we do there that to connect our team. That'll be really pra- practical for folks. The phase three was how do we create a scalable solution for organizations? So we created a product called Rivet. It's just like a, like a, the, the rivet mechanism that connects two things to make them stronger. That's, that's exactly clever. Yeah, that's exactly what our tool does. It uh, uses it's an AI powered tool that actually connects two colleagues that are scientifically proven to develop a strong connection. And so based off of the Gallup's Q2 employee engagement survey, which you rattled off some of those uh, statements, yeah. which I'm super impressed that you you knew it's all those. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But atmosphere. one of those, yes, yeah, do you have a best friend at work? So there's decades and decades of research saying that if you have just one other person at work that you feel connected to, performance, engagement, loyalty goes up. And so that's the whole purpose of our tool is to connect folks. And that gets a lot of the, the the things that normally keeps people from connecting, right? With, whether it be common interests or personality types or whatever, it, it removes all that and greases the wheels for us to really cultivate uh, connection with others And so a part of of the team that works on Rivet, uh, you know, we're a connection company. And so we're we're always trying to find new ways in which to cultivate the connection amongst our team members. And one way we do that is every week on our team call, we do what's called Connect 5. And so we take five minutes at the top of the meeting for some person shares a picture of a non-work-related item. And so- I like
0: that exercise. Yes.
1: Super simple. And it just gives permission for someone to share something. And, and all of a sudden, you know, someone might share a picture of their marathon training. No one had any idea that person was in marathons and they were an extraordinary athlete. So it gives a new data point in which to connect and it draws you closer to that individual. And so there's subtle things like that that we can do. And so, again, I think perhaps one of the most encouraging items for folks and listeners to be thinking about is connection doesn't take a lot of effort. I mentioned 40 seconds is as little as time yes, to take.
0: Elevator, yeah.
1: Yeah, just one other person. And then like we use at, at Rivet, it's just five minutes at the top of a meeting to cultivate that sense of connection. So it doesn't take a lot of effort and it it goes a long way when we when we we can just be a little bit more intentional about it.
0: I can remember being on the board of a group and I was running the meetings and, I, and everybody didn't want to do it at first. And it was a dis, discombobulated group, but I said, okay, we're going to do a heart check. And I'm like heart check, what? like I said, there's Susie. She said, "Woo woo." So we did heart check, and everybody would go around. And the first time was a little stilted, and the second time you could see that everybody was kind of ready, you know, and they had their thing, you know. And so it's the same, you know. That and it made a huge difference. So I'm a big fan of this. This is great. Does not take a lot of effort. What's one or two other exercises? So the photo is an exercise. What's another couple of exercises people could take to their team today? What well, comes to mind?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, simple things as far as, you know, how do we how do we couple high tech with high touch, right? So how can we or actually let's go back to the idea of how do we trade convenience for connection? So next time you're going to send off an email, maybe call the individual, right? Or instead of having that virtual meeting, maybe figure out a time where you can actually be in person with someone else to actually, you know, connect with each other. So how can you trade convenience for connection. Something else that we found that that's very helpful is organizations will create what's called peer-to-peer coaching. So it's exactly what it sounds. It's like you find someone else that would want to be in a coaching relationship and you meet once a week where each person spends half the time coaching each other. So the first person will start and just share anything professional or personally. And the other person does what a great coach does and they resist advice giving, and they just ask great questions and that they, they just listen to each other. And then then they flip the tables and the next person shares personally and professionally. And so it's it's helpful because it creates an environment where you have that freedom to actually dig in, listen to someone else, right? You're, you're outside of yourself. And then it kind of creates that environment where you feel that connection with someone else. So you could create something formal inside the organization, or you could just raise your hand and, and ask someone else if they would want to be in a peer-to-peer to, peer to peer coaching situation. So that's another good example. Doing something similar to what you're saying is, you know, the heart check, or it could just be, Hey, let's Mm -hmm. go around and everyone say one thing they're, they're grateful for. And let's just start with gratitude because gratitude, again, I know I mentioned it before, but it takes you out of yourself thinking about somebody else. And it again, doesn't take a lot of time, but that's something that can be really Mm -hmm. grounded. And then the last example I think I'll I'll give is this idea of how do we identify the beneficiaries of the labor? Because again, loneliness is not the, uh, absence of people. It's the absence of connection or well, connection that we need to uh, monitor is our connection to our work, the connection to the, what we're, what we're doing and, and the, the things we're involved with on a day-to-day basis. And so if leaders can draw a line from the the work that they're doing to the people, the actual people that are benefiting from that work, um, research shows that engagement and performance goes up. And so again, it's how, how do we draw that line from what we do and draw that connection line to the work or the person benefiting from that labor, whether that's external or internal can go a long way. And too often we just, you know, we do an internal process. We're pulling our hair out thinking this is, this is obnoxious. This is why are we doing this? Well, there's someone down the line that has to have that information to be able to do their job. So they're benefiting from that labor. So if we can start drawing those lines, that can go a long way in cultivating more connection as well.
0: Would this just be a conversation that the leader would have, maybe the team, maybe it's an exercise in a team meeting and where you say, okay, who benefits from your work? And you have each person write that down. I mean, is that the actual practical application of that? Yeah, I
1: like to go back to the research of saying, of uh, just asking why, just keep asking why, right? Why do we do this? Well, because this, because we'll yes. this, because my boss told me to. Well, why are they telling you to? Well, because of this. And we, uh, the example we shared in the book was uh, there was a company that actually facilitated a uh, porta potty. So they would bring porta potties to construction sites and, you know, not a very glamorous job, right? And they're always thinking, how do we, how do we, how can we identify the beneficiaries? And the the, the initial beneficiary is, is someone that's on a construction site that's actually able to to you know find relief using a porta potty that's been delivered to their site. But we pushed them to keep asking why more, and they actually came up. Well, actually, it's these community members that are benefiting from us delivering these porta potties because these schools or this building or this restaurant is being able to be built faster because we're able to. Uh, have these mobile units delivered to construction sites. And so that was a really good exercise of peeling the the onion back far enough to where you get a crystal clear picture, even though you might not ever meet that person, that person's benefiting from the work you're doing, no matter how glamorous or unglamorous it might be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you probably, you know, there's so many exercises that you have in here that are simple and powerful, you know? So uh, yeah. So Continually pointing back to that because that would be one exercise, and then the appreciation, and there's just so many things in there that you, you have that can just help in a busy world. A lot of things you read it, and you go, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one." So very, very good.
1: I'll give I'll give one of it real quick that came to mind. We talked about psychological safety. Google did that big study around yeah. uh, Aristotle, and they found that psychological safety is the number one thing that creates more higher performing teams. And one way to do psychological safety or is to make sure you have proportional conversations. And this is really important for leaders because too often they just tend to come in and say, here's where we're going and here's the vision. And what do you guys think? And everyone's like, well, okay, we're going to go with that.
0: Hey, he's the leader. <laughs> She's the leader. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. speaking last, right? Making sure that everyone has yeah. proportionate time yes. to actually yeah. have a voice and contribute. That can go a long way in cultivating that sense of belonging and connection.
0: Yes, yes. It's a, the leader sets the tone. The leader mm. sets the tone in so many ways. And people leaders forget that they forget because they get so busy. But the minute they walk out the elevator or walk in the room, everybody's watching them. Right. You know, <laughs> so if they start connecting and everybody else will too. Okay. Mm. So. This is magnificent. Everybody needs to get the book. I want to do a couple of get-to-know-you questions, and then we're going to wrap up with your last kind of bit of advice for people around connecting. So be thinking about what you would say. You're like, "That's what's the one takeaway that you'd like people to have." Let's talk about uh, books or training programs that have been instrumental to you uh, because you you have an interesting career and you're an introvert who now is a traveling all over the country. Seventy, you said seventy-three times last year you were in different cities speaking. And so, you know, what has influenced you? What has gotten you here? And and specifically around training and development. And you know, what what are things that have been instrumental for you?
1: I've always had kind of a cocktail of development that uh like I'm constantly reading. So I read a lot of books. I also consume a ton of podcasts that are, you know, some are leadership focused, others are kind of future of work. And religiously like I, I found a handful then I listen to them every week and then what i do also do some th-
0: podcasts. what do you think favorite
1: uh, my favorites are entree leadership entree leadership a combo of entrepreneur and leadership entree leadership uh, work life with with adam grant the happiness oh, yeah. lab and then i listen to some specific speaking related ones speaker nomics and the speaker lab are, are some good okay. ones so uh, and books? then this one, of course, this oh, one, the oh, Wake no. Up Eager podcast. <laughs> Add that one to the list. I
0: didn't expect that. What books? <laughs> what books do you, or your favorite books?
1: Yeah. I'd like uh, to gosh. hear
0: that. Yeah. And but, out Like this stuck with you, or maybe something you read early on that really influenced you, or, or I, I, mean, I really
1: love Seth Godin, mostly just of how his brain so works.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and then I'm also a big fan of uh, Malcolm Gladwell and the Heath yeah. Brothers, and kind of how, and I feel like, A lot of my writing kind of mirrors theirs. I think I've been influenced pretty significantly for them. And the last book I just read was uh, called The Referable Speaker. It's very, you know, obviously speaker driven, but it really challenged me. I don't think I've highlighted. And and there was a book that was so applicable to to me than that book has been in the last decade. Oh, that's
0: Um, awesome. Yeah. And
1: then the the book I'm reading right now is uh, Jason Pfeiffer, who's the chief editor at Entrepreneur Magazine it's kind of a future of work book, but my next one, I heard it's called uh, strength to strength. And it's all about how do you move from fluid knowledge? And then once after 40, you then kind of move into this idea of crystallized knowledge and how do you transform your career to make sure you're, you're in a position where you're teaching and coaching versus, you know, executing. It's kind of this idea of, you know, Before thirty, you're the startup. You know, you're the the head of the startup, and then afterwards, you're the VC. And I just think that's so fascinating. And I got a good recommendation on that, so that's my next one. I'm going to read. Oh,
0: okay. I made notes of a lot of those. Some of those I'm I'm on, and then some of them like, oh, something new. Strength to strength. That sounds interesting. Interesting. Okay, so we are all about wake up eager here. Wake up eager workforce. Wake up eager individuals. Wake up eager leaders. And so a lot of the podcasts are business topics, but we also talk about mind, body and spirit to think about or share uh, uh, some of your favorite things to do for mental clarity, physical well-being and um, your close connections that you do.
1: Yeah, I um, when it comes to mind clarity, I'm a I'm a type of person that needs my physical space to be clear if my mind's going to be clear. So keep my desk kind of a minimalist when it comes to like my desk and even my desktop virtually has to be super. So I know as soon as things really get to clutter, that's a reflection of how much is weighing on me or perhaps how bloated my to-do lists are. So that's a big thing for me is kind of the physical organization of of my life, even when it comes to my car. As far as the body, I think, you know, in the mornings working out, taking a, taking a run with the dog doesn't happen as often as I'd, I'd like. And then... I always see that kind of way when I'm traveling a lot and depending on the the season, because I was like running outside in new places. But when it's when it's the weather isn't conducive, that gets really challenging. Um, and then the spirit. Yeah. Thanks. The, the connections. Can't forget about yeah. that. Um, what and do I, you
0: do? How do you stay connected to your family and your friends and your co-workers? What's a couple of favorite things?
1: Yeah, I just I have a I don't know if it's just my ter- personality or if all of this research is just sunk in, but very easy for me to separate work and. Family and not check my phone at the dinner table or at a baseball game or with the family. Like I can very easily just not deal with it, and I love to just be super present with uh, the family oh. or whoever is in the moment there. So yeah, we've got that's beautiful. We got a busy Good family, and so uh, and then one one tip that we do actually in our in our household that I think might be helpful is we narrate our activity on the phone. So if you pull out our phone, we have to actually narrate out loud what we're doing as a way to kind of check ourselves, right? Because we've all been there to where if you're standing in front of someone, and they just pull your phone out. They just like, it's like they beam out of that conversation. You're like, where'd you go? But if yeah. you pull your phone out and go, hey, I'm going to check the calendar to make sure I'm available on that date you mentioned, like you're that lets the other person know, hey, I'm still involved in this. I'm just using this as a tool. And we do that. My kids are, you know, I have three under seven, so they're not using devices like they oh, will be yeah. someday. So we're trying to make sure that they know that this is a tool, not a toy. And it that's doesn't beautiful. get in the way of our of yeah. our connection. So narrating our phone yeah. activities, helpful insight to yeah. what we use.
0: That's a great tip. I like that. Teaching them to uh, communicate and connect.
1: That's kay? right. And you and you that's mentioned social connect. fitness, Susie. And I think this relates yeah. well to this question, right? Physical fitness, yeah. we all know that's important. We're all starting to understand that mental fitness is becoming more yeah. and more important. What's lesser known is this idea of social fitness. And we've all understood that if you're not working out socially, you know, if you're not flexing that social muscle, it will atrophy. Just like when we all had to stay away from each other in 2020, getting back into big groups and it was clunky, right? We were like, how do I interact with folks? So social fitness is really key.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. We're coming up on our time here. Let's talk about a billboard. If you could put a billboard anywhere, these are the last two questions. You could put a billboard anywhere, so you can put whatever you want on it. You can have it any place in the world. What would you put on the billboard? A lot of people are going to see it, and then where would you put it?
1: (laughs) I would. uh, uh, We, we, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's so funny. There's, I don't know if it's a local heating and air conditioning company, but it's called Estes, and their mascot is a yellow Labrador we have a yellow Labrador. So whenever we drive by these billboards in Atlanta with the yellow Labrador on it, my kids think it's actually their dog, our, our family uh-huh. dog that's on yeah. this billboard. Yeah. It's hilarious. So they just think, you know, they have no concept. And They're like, why would our dog be on this billboard? But um, so I would definitely have our actual dog on a billboard. And I would probably just yeah. have it say, we all long to belong, commit to connection today.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. We all belong. Even the most grumpy person, you know, the grumpiness might be coming from a a way of uh, finding a way to connect with them. And I guess we have to focus on that too, understanding individually how people would like to connect. Some people want a hug and some people just want you to check in and reading them, which is some of the work I do is understanding what others want, not what we want so much. Uh, but everybody wants belonging, but how they might want it might be a little different. Would you say that's true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're at the end of the day, we, we're we all got blood in our veins. And at the end of the day, we all crave connection. But yeah, it can look a little bit different. And for those folks that you think don't need it. Yeah, to your point, those might they be the folks that need it the most, and doesn't take much and head nod, a smile, a, a, a just an inquisitive question can be all it takes to kind of pull that other individual in. So Yeah, it's an art and uh, it's clunky, but we got to do it.
0: Yep, we got to do it. And so with that comment, uh, what's the last bit of wisdom that you want every leader to take away about loneliness and about belonging and being connected?
1: Yeah, it would simply just be, it just takes you, right? We've heard that that stands out to folks that read the book is that like, gosh, I don't have to go and like revamp company culture or go convince other leaders that we have to do this just doing pro-social behaviors yourself. You're the leader, you go first, right? We all go first as leaders. And so start demonstrating these pro-social behaviors because folks that are on the receiving end of pro-social behaviors are 278% more likely to go extend that pro-social behavior to somebody else. So a ripple effect can happen really quickly. And as leaders, we go first. Doesn't take a lot of time to cultivate connection, just some intentionality. And it just takes you to start today.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I want to encourage everybody to go get get this book, Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. And I think, Ryan, what did you say? What is it on the bestseller list? What is it? It was number number
1: seven on the Wall Street Journal bestseller.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, well done and great topic. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Susie.
0: Well, are you inspired to do some more connecting? it make a lot more sense now how you can be more connectable? Ryan shared that loneliness has been shrouded in shame for a long time. And I, for one, am very happy that he and his co-author have put a spotlight on this topic and moved the shame out of the way. Because no longer is this an issue when so many of us have experienced this. I know I have throughout my career and life. And so take an action to to connect and it's not a static thing. It's something we get to continually focus on. So if you are feeling lonely and know that you're not alone and know that you can make small changes that can help you feel more connected, take that, that awareness with you after this discussion. He's got a connect deck that we talked about. It's a deck of cards, has 30 simple activities, and it says 30 simple activities to reconnect with humanity and your team. You'll see a link to that in the show notes. You can go check that out. It's really reasonably priced. And then if you're a leader, check out the book. I listened to it on Audible and enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Um, And you can check out their team connection assessment. We'll have that in the show notes. And then I just kind of want to follow up. If you've done our trimetrics training, you've heard a lot of this in a different languaging, but the same idea we talk about in trimetrics, the perfect order of valuing and making decisions. This is from the creator of the acumen science, which is the third science that measures how we think, feel, and make decisions. It measures our judgment. And we say, if you've done some of the deeper dive training, intrinsic is greater than extrinsic is greater than systemic. And without using those words, if you haven't done the deeper dive training, it's People have greater value than, than tasks, the doing, than, and tasks have greater value than the than the rules and the ideas. All three matter. You need to have the systemic, the rules and ideas, and you need to have the extrinsic, which is the tasks and the doing. And of course, you need to have the intrinsic, which is the people and the feeling. But we always want to keep it in order. People are greater than tasks or greater, greater than rules and ideas. So we always want to say and live that... Uh, connection before precision connection before doing connection before let me share the rules and and you can think about that literally so how can I connect with this person in everything that you're doing Um, so you create that psychological safety that we talked about in the discussion check out the show notes for all the all the things we discuss pricelessprofessional.com forward slash loneliness it's all lowercase Check out our podcast episode directory. It's at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. We've got more episodes coming. We've got a wonderful new podcast producer, Kay Wells Companies, is helping us uh, get, get more episodes in the queue. So, more is coming your way. If you've been with us and enjoyed some of the episodes, I'd love for you to leave us a review. Go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review. You can check that out. And of course, you can get the podcast on any app. Just type in wake up eager workforce. We also have a an app ourselves. You can check that out on our website. Give any questions for me or any suggestions, reach out pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. Thank you for being here. Go connect with people. Connect with your family tonight. Have a felt connection. Connect with your friends. Uh, have a great life. Wake up eager. We'll see you on the next episode or around the band Take care.